Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by Bomi.org. They have the industry standard training for property management and facilities management. Check them out at Bomi, B-O-M-I.org. Well, we have another fantastic show for you today. We're going to talk about the expectations and market realities in real estate 2019. Now, this is an incredible report. It's put out annually, and it's uh, been in, uh, around for nine years. And it's, it's put out by CITUS, the National Association of Realtors, and Deloitte. And they get together. It's an incredible report. And today we have a special guest. We have George Ratu. And George is Director of Quantitative and Commercial Resource with the National Association of Realtors. And uh, welcome, uh, George. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure being with you today. Well, this is an incredible report. And I think it's a special timing uh, to talk about the, the, the outlook because People are concerned about the outlook, right? The, you know, this cycle has been different than the, th the cycles we've seen before. It's a little long in the tooth. It's the, the recovery's been a little bit slow compared to some of the past recoveries. And, and you gotta kinda start out here and talk about uncharted territory. So what do you mean there? Is that related to, to this cycle? Yes, it certainly is, and and you make such a good point. I mean, when we look at the um, the economy, when we look at real estate markets, it's quite evident that we are in uncharted territory. For one, uh, we're really uh, marching on a major milestone from an economic standpoint. So by the summer of this year, if the economic recovery continues unabated, we will have celebrated ten years of economic expansion, which frankly uh, would be the longest on record, at least going back to 1850, uh, as far as we have uh, obviously uh, historical data on economic activity, which as you know, economics is known as the dismal science and you know, e economists themselves sometimes are not the happiest of a bunch. So when, when <laughs> economists get a little bit excited, you know, something's in the air. Um, conversely, you're also right for real estate markets, this cycle has been quite different. I remember a few years ago having a conversation with uh, someone from New York. We were talking about the markets, and uh, he was making the point that, uh, well, you know, uh, if these markets continue at this point, we might have the longest in history. He was doubting that. My view was based on activity on the ground in small cap secondary tertiary markets, which took three years to enter the recovery later than the large cap markets. We had quite a, a bit of room still to run. So. To your point, uh, this real estate cycle is unlike previous ones, um, and uh, based on the findings of, of our three organizations, Deloitte, Citus, RERC, and the National Association of Realtors, we expect the cycle to continue at least into 2019, uh, which obviously is, it makes it uh, quite, uh, puts us in, in a quite different environment. So 2019. Now we're in 2019 as we as we tape this today. We're in February. So what about 2020? Well, I think there are a lot of questions about the viability of the economic uh, expansion. And what I mean by that, uh, where we are today in 2019 uh, is really a, a result of unprecedented monetary policy in the wake of the, obviously the Great Recession and the financial crisis of 2008. We had the Fed, in a sense, maintain a zero 
um, you know, lower bound in terms of, of its target funds rate, short term rates for practically eight years. They didn't start raising interest rates on, it's, until 2015 and even then in December. So a lot of money obviously has been uh, added to the Fed's balance sheet. The idea was to stabilize the financial system, stabilize the banks, and then have the banks infuse uh, money into the economy, obviously through lending, lending to businesses, lending to real estate, lending to consumers. Um, and so obviously this has, has worked well, which has, has pushed the economy to the point where it is today, at least as of 2018 latest data. The 2018 economic growth in terms of GDP was the fastest of the last decade. In addition, we had the Tax Act of, of December 2017, which went into effect in 2018, reducing the corporate uh, tax rate, obviously significantly. So that simply fueled a little more of the economic activity. So for 2019, we still see that that momentum carrying forward. Um, however, um, it's it's somewhat when you look at the history, we are talking about history. Uh, there is a, a cyclicality to economic activity. Uh, and generally, we tend to see a roughly every 10 years uh, an economic recession. And as the Federal Reserve has now moved to tighten its monetary policy, obviously, we're going to see some tightening in credit. We've, we've already seen interest rates move up. So the likely impact of those is is to, to uh, show up as slight tapering in economic activity. So for a lot of economists, um, they were, were seeing 2019 actually continued growth, but moderating. And 2020, we we are for a lot of, of folks in in the economics field that there there is a probability of recession uh, rising in terms of, of visibility. Yeah, well, we don't like the uh, R word. So, what do you guys think about what do you forecast for GDP moving forward in the 2019? And did that adjust any in the fourth quarter where we saw a government, uh, partial government shutdown, we saw some turmoil in the stock market? Very good point. So in terms of, of our uh, baseline scenario in the report, we're expecting GDP to be between 1.8 and 2.3% this year, which is a slight moderation from 2018. And to put that into a broader perspective, um, Globally speaking, we're seeing moderation in economic activity. The IMF started 2018 last year on a pretty upbeat note. They actually revised their forecast upwards of economic activity um, from 3.7 towards 3.9. Well, the, the second half of the year uh, poured a little bit of cold water on that, and their, their uh, forecast, recent uh, one, it was actually a downgrade uh, roughly to about 3.5%, mostly on slowdown in China, slowdown in Europe. So obviously the U.S. is, is part of this broader uh, slow down. Uh, the GDP data for uh, the fourth quarter uh, is coming up at the uh, tail end of February, February 28th. The Bureau of Economic Analysis will release it. And the expectation is that the government shutdown will show an impact uh, in, in activity, probably a lot stronger in the first quarter of 2019. Um, but I think that last quarter of 2018 will also uh, show a slight moderation. And as you pointed out, financial markets uh, obviously tend to be a little bit ahead of the curve many, many times. And we saw quite a bit of volatility in the fourth uh, quarter in, in terms of equity markets. 
So at that point, you guys were obviously were working on this report. This, this doesn't happen overnight. You were working on it. So when the government shutdown is going on and it, and it, and it continued to go on, what was it, uh, 30-something days? Um, did that adjust your outlook at that time? It did a little bit, and, and especially since we, we provide the baseline scenario, but we also have the best case scenario and, and a, a lesser uh, case, a worst case scenario. So we're trying to, to capture some of that on the downside risk. Um, normally, the expectations are that with a government shutdown, you see a temporary uh, decline, particularly in retail sales and consumption, uh, personal consumption expenditures. Generally, you see there's a rebound in the subsequent quarter. This one, you're right, it went longer than any prior government shutdown. So obviously, you are likely to, to register uh, declining consumption. Um, the, uh, the big question, and I think that at least coming you know, from Washington right now, the, the mood seems to have tempered on a, another government uh, shutdown. So I think that uh, all things being equal and without another one, we are likely to have a weak first quarter or weaker, um, followed by a, a sort of a return to, to trend, at least the trend of, of, of the last nine, 10 years. Yeah. Well, that shutdown seemed to uh, undermine confidence, at least in my mind, uh, of, of the government and, and how they operate. So what do you say about interest rates moving forward? What would you, you guys expect in 2019 uh, in this report? Well, we certainly have had quite a change in in the way the Fed has um, been uh, moving with its forward guidance on monetary policy, right? So obviously the Fed was was quite worried in this last year in 2018 about the rate of inflation, given the fact that we are at a sub four percent unemployment rate. Uh, prices uh, have been moving uh, basically to and in fact a little above to averaged about 2.1% for the better part of 2018. And when you look at the housing component, that's uh, been basically close to 3%. So there's, there's a lot of uh, upward pressure building on inflation. So the Fed, not surprisingly, moved with four uh, interest rate hikes uh, this this past year, and the expectation until the fourth quarter on the market was we would see another possibly three to four this year. Well, we saw at the December um, uh, meeting that um, even though the Fed uh, hiked the rate, what it it uh, pronounced is that they were going to become a lot more patient going forward, not surprisingly in light of the market, financial market volatility. In addition, the Fed said it would pay a lot more attention to the data coming out and let some of the data as it unfolded and came out in 2019 guide its decision, thereby signaling to markets that uh, there will likely be much fewer than anticipated rate hikes this year. So right now, um, I think the consensus is for maybe one to two rate hikes at most. And those would be quarter point uh, hikes, it would be your estimate? That's That's been uh, obviously the, the way in which the Fed has chosen to move so far. As I said, December 2015 marked the first time they, they started raising the short-term interest rate, and it's been in quarter-point increments, and I don't see that uh, changing in 2019. Okay. And, you know, when you look at a cycle like this, it's been a great cycle, and real estate's really performed well. And you look at the dynamics of real estate, you look at unemployment, uh, you look at what's the confidence level of small businesses, and, and there's a lot of things that kind of point to commercial real estate as is, is maybe a safe alternative. What do you guys say about 
about that? Are some people looking to diversify and, and maybe might that help commercial real estate moving forward that, hey, you do have sticks and bricks, you do have something there you can reach out and touch and, and have some income, uh, even though, albeit it, it might adjust. Uh, is, is that considered maybe a safe alternative? Absolutely. And in fact, the one thing that um, that was interesting to note, uh, so part of the, the report, we look at capital markets uh, and we take a look at obviously the, the full environment of capital markets. But one of the, the question, and it comes from from the, the great team at Citus RERC, they, they survey investors on their preferences for assets in terms of return versus risk. And as you know, traditionally, real estate um, tended to slot between bonds and stocks. So they, they provide stronger returns than, than bonds or the slightly, slightly higher risk, but a little bit lower than stocks to reflect, obviously, the, the, the risk, in part because stock uh, commercial real estate in particular has more of a hybrid bond feel, right? You get cash flow and appreciation over the long term. What we've noticed during this cycle, and, and the folks the site has pointed out, and it's in the report, is investor preferences have skewed on the upward towards commercial real estate. In fact, commercial real estate has, has broken out of, of the, its traditional place and has risen above stocks in terms of investor preferences. So right now, investors tend to actually favor commercial real estate over stocks, over bonds, over cash in terms of returns. And the, the, that preference hit a peak in 2015, and, and it's been on a gentle downward uh, slope. But in 2018, particularly the second um, part of the year, that preference actually spiked up. So it's obvious that the financial market volatility has um, uh, continued to, to place commercial real estate uh, on a pretty significant uh, preference list for investors. And to your point, this cycle, especially what we've seen is uh, real estate perform quite well. Uh, and as you point out, uh, at the end of the day, there's a there's a solid asset, something you can see, something that generates cash flow. And, and obviously, to, to some extent, for some some folks, it provides a hedge uh, on, on the downside during inflationary periods. It, it's also good on the upside. So I think that, in fact, will continue. And we've seen a lot of investors, global, domestic ones, um, shift a lot of their allocation policies uh, in terms of funding towards, towards uh, real estate. Well, that'd be interesting. So if we do get a recession in 2020 to see how much it really impacts commercial real estate. Well, we're going to take a short break. When we get back, I'm going to talk to George about some of the property types, some of the sectors, and what they're expecting uh, in this report, uh, expectations and market realities in real estate 2019, uncharted territory. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CREshow. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com.
Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. This segment is brought to you by BiProxy.com. That's B-I-P-R-O-X-I. This is a new service. It's a listing service for commercial real estate. You can find properties, you can list properties, and there's no charge. And then for a fee, they have some marketing services. Do check them out. Well, today we're talking about the expectations and market realities in real estate 2019. This is an annual report that's put out by Citus RERC, by the National Association of Realtors, and by Deloitte. It's a great report. We'll have a link to the report below. My guest is George Ratu, and he's joining us on Skype. He's Director of Quantitative and Research and Commercial Research at the National Association of Realtors. And George, we're talking about the outlook in the first segment of the economy and commercial real estate in general and interest rates. And I think a lot of our listeners and viewers around the country, a lot of them have certain property types they're more concerned about. Um, so what in your report, what do you guys feel about the office market moving forward? There's certainly been a lot of changes going on there. You're absolutely right. And in fact, the office market um, has has performed surprisingly well. I would say it's probably one of the, uh, the um, under uh, dogs of this recovery. What do I mean by that? When you look at, at obviously the post-recession environment, office properties suffer from the, the highest vacancy rates. However, with employment of, over the last roughly decade having added about a little over 21 million net new jobs, and the biggest chunk of those being in professional and business services, a lot of obviously office using sectors, uh, we have seen a resurgence in demand for office space. Interestingly enough, both in the central business district, so in the CBD uh, downtown core, but also we've seen a revival of the suburban office space uh, and and uh, vacancy rates towards the tail end of 2018 uh, had dropped to about 10%, so a significant uh, recovery. We expect employment to continue on a strong upward uh, curve in 2019. And with that, we, we expect obviously demand for uh, office spaces to remain positive, uh, net absorption to remain positive. Um, so I think the, uh, the outlook for office is, is quite uh, bright. The, the one thing I will mention is that during this cycle, what we have seen, uh, we have seen uh, quite a bit of change in the way that uh, tenants are utilizing space. We've seen a lot of space efficiencies on the part of, of tenants. Uh, we've seen move to, to quality. So a lot of tenants during the post-recession environment move from um, their current uh, trends to, to better ones. And uh, we've obviously seen a lot of technological impact in the way space is used. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a, a good outlook. Let's talk about industrial. That seems to have been the, the real darling sector. Uh, but, you know, it seems like industrial in, in the past, I've been in this business for a long time. We didn't see a lot of spec building as kind of a conservative uh, sector, if you will. But now we're seeing a lot of, of spec uh, building in industrial. What's your outlook there? You're absolutely right. Industrial generally uh, tended to be the, the less uh, attractive, the less glamorous uh, sector, right, of core property types. Uh, traditionally, well, during this cycle, it, it's ha it has benefited from uh, sort of a, a double um, upward punch of one, increased international trade, 
which uh, has, has boosted demand for um, uh, warehouse-based logistics centers, particularly along the coast. You know, you think of Inland Empire on the, on the West Coast. Uh, on the East Coast, we've obviously had a, a big push uh, as a result of the Panama Canal expansion for several ports, starting with Miami, Jacksonville, Charleston, Norfolk, all the way up to Baltimore and, and, and up into New Jersey. Uh, to capture a lot of the um, Asian traffic for uh, East Coast markets. So with that, coupled with the uh, obvious increase in electronic commerce, the, the Amazon effect, which has pushed demand for distribution centers, for suburban warehouse spaces, where companies are looking for that last mile uh, leg, right, to get their product to the consumer in, in as short a time as possible. So the confluence of these two major forces has resulted in demand for industrial properties reaching uh, new levels. And, and with that, uh, to your point, obviously a lot more speculative um, uh, space. Vacancies uh, basically are now under 5% nationally. And with that, obviously, cash flows have been quite positive. In fact, the interesting development in this space right now seems to be centered on these multi-story warehouses, right? We just saw Prologis open a two-story uh, warehouse where semi-trucks can drive up on it. There's another um, uh, project in the pipeline in Brooklyn. Uh, they are looking at putting four-story warehouses, right? So it's an interesting, you know, reaching for the sky, in fact. Uh, in this sector. And frankly, we expect that demand to continue. Uh, early during this cycle, the, the supply uh, didn't come on as strong, which has favored obviously existing landlords. That's obviously catching up. But I think the sector still has quite a bit of room to grow. Okay. And you can't rule out, as we talked about earlier, uh, some sort of recession in 2020. So might that have an impact uh, on industrial if the economy slows down a little bit? Well, th that's obviously a, a possibility. In fact, the recession would likely have an impact on not just industrial, but some of the other sector. Mm -hmm. the, the big question is what is likely to drive this recession? No two recessions are alike. So for a lot of people who look over their shoulders to 2018, 2019, expecting the next one to look like that, it's very unlikely to be the same way. So the, the big question there some sectors are going to be impacted a lot more. Uh, similarly to, to the last recession, multifamily was not impacted as, as, as strongly as you know office, retail. Uh, likely in the next recession, we're, we're going to see different impacts on property types, industrial included. Yeah, and I'm glad it's not gonna be like the last one. That wasn't very <laughs> fun for our, our clients and developers we work with. So let's talk about retail. Everybody's concerned about retail. You guys put your heads together. What do you expect moving forward? Well, I think retail has been one of the sectors that perhaps has been um, you know, overplayed on the downside, right? So the, the big headlines of the last few years is retail is dead. Uh, you know, the Armageddon of retail. Well, the truth is there is a part of retail that has certainly uh, been been uh, suffering. When you look at department stores in particular, we've seen a lot of closures. We've seen, you know, Kmart. We've seen Sears. Uh, Sears has has gone through a much publicized bankruptcy this last year. Um, in addition, we've seen big box stores like Toys R Us, uh, you know, go through through bankruptcy. So obviously, a lot of change. And in fairness, 
a lot of the sector, particularly in terms of, of malls, was overbuilt during prior cycles. So not surprising we've seen what some people call a right-sizing in that. However, there's a lot of nuance, as you know, to, to the retail space. We have everything from power centers, lifestyle malls, down to neighborhood centers, um, uh, outlet malls. What we've seen is, is along these nuance lines, quite a bit of, of growth, in fact, in, in neighborhood shopping centers, particularly those anchored by grocery stores. In fact, I think this cycle uh, of, of real estate has been marked by a renaissance in grocery stores. We're seeing such wide variety from your traditional Albertsons and, and, and Kroger's and Vons on the West Coast to obviously Whole Foods, which has gotten obviously a lot of infusion from, from its acquisition by Amazon, and all the way down to smaller players, uh, which traditionally were under the surface but have come to the fore. You think of, of Aldi and Lidl, the, the German uh, grocery chains would have, have made big pushes in, in the US during this cycle. Um, and moreover, for a lot of markets, particularly those that have uh, experienced strong economic growth during this cycle, even traditional malls have been doing quite well. The, the, the change there has been they've um, reshaped themselves as experienced destinations. We've seen a lot more restaurant space. We've seen even some of the retail environment itself shape more towards an experience. And as a result, uh, consumers have obviously uh, responded to that. And um, traffic at, at malls in, in strong markets has actually uh, been up. And um, what we're seeing is we're seeing online uh, businesses begin to actually open brick and mortar locations. I mean, you think of Amazon, they've opened several bookstores this last year. I think of companies like Blue Nile, Prevair of Jewelry, which was an online company for a better part of the last two decades, started to open stores in malls around the country. So I think, and, and based on our report, our view is that uh, retail is, is actually looking much better than the headlines would have suggested over the last two years. And our expectation is for rent to be positive in 2019, nationally speaking, um, uh, across the board. Well, great. Well, all my retail brokers here are clapping and they're glad to hear that. <laughs> and, uh, and our clients that own those types of properties. Well, uh, we're gonna take a short break. When we get back, I wanna ask uh, George about well, the multifamily market. It's certainly been, been a hot market. What should we expect moving forward there? And then hospitality, hotels, what should we expect there? Are we starting to see a change there? Stay with us, I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Are you looking for proven property management and facilities management education? Visit BOMI.org, that's B-O-M-I, Building Owners and Managers Institute International. They are the trusted source for education in the property and facilities industry. Visit BOMI.org. Have you seen BuyProxy.com? Brokers list properties, buyers and tenants search properties all at no cost. They also have a suite of marketing services. Check them out at BuyProxy.com. That's spelled B-I-P-R-O-X-I.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. This segment is brought to you by Red IQ. Check them out. They turn data into actionable intelligence. Their website is RedIQ.com.
Today, we're talking with George Ratu, and he's with the National Association of Realtors. And they put together an annual report with CITUS RERC, with, uh, of course, the National Association of Realtors, and Deloitte. And it's a very good report. We'll put a link below uh, to the, the actual report. And we're talking with George on Skype about some of the highlights. And, and George, multifamily, everybody knows, has had an incredible run. But we've also seen uh, a lot of new development, uh, especially in some of the, the major cities. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, we're here headquartered in Atlanta, and uh, the number of apart commun apartment communities going up uh, just seems crazy, but they seem to be filling up. I don't know how these tenants are affording it or where they're coming from. So what do you guys look like? What's the outlook for multifamily moving forward? So multifamily, to your point, has performed very well during this cycle, and, and uh, that really, in, in large part, thanks to continued population growth. So the, the U.S. has grown about 8% in the last decade in terms of population. And uh, in terms of household formation, a, a main measure of demand for housing, while that took, took a beating during the, the recession and post-recession environment, it's been uh, moving towards its long-term average. Historically, we've, we've had about 1.3 million new households formed every year. And this past year, we basically were at roughly a million by, by uh, September. So we're likely going to be a little bit above that number. So we're moving towards historical averages. With that, obviously, demand for, for housing has been solid due to uh, strong employment growth, wage growth. The one thing we have had a challenge with during this cycle specifically has been supply. When you look at the residential housing, there's a lot of shortage of available housing. That coupled with rising mortgage rates, uh, rising prices, quite quite on a steep trajectory, have uh, basically offered for a lot of, of, of folks uh, rent the rental market as the main viable alternative. And, and to your point, developers have obviously paid attention to these trends and have been bringing a lot of product to market. The interesting thing I think about the market is a lot of the product coming online has been class A. So to your point, not a particularly affordable um, affordable um, option, um, but I think for a lot of uh, folks, the living downtown, particularly in the downtown core, has been quite attractive uh, as, as we see major demographic changes take place. So our expectation for 2019 is that this demand uh, will continue. Uh, to, to shape the market. And while we've had obviously strong supply, in fact, in 2018, supply outpaced demand slightly, um, we expect that to, to remain the norm in this year. Uh, likely the, the, the cash flow, so rent increases will moderate. We've seen a slowdown in rent increases from about 5%, you know, six, seven years ago, to about 2 uh, percent, depending on the market, a little less than than two percent. But I think that the sector's attractiveness remains, and for a lot of uh, investors, I think they are beginning to see and recognize attractiveness in Class B in value-add projects um, to address particularly that that shortage of workforce housing. Yeah, and you mentioned that the housing market, the single-family home market, impacts multifamily, and obviously it impacts the entire economy, and therefore all the commercial real estate. And hey, we've got George here from the National Association of Realtors, so I have to ask you, you know, what do you expect for the housing market uh, moving forward? Well, we've seen housing market undergo a slight shift in 2018, more specifically due to the shortage uh, of, availability, of available supply. 
um, a lot of, uh, of folks have basically run into a wall. They'd like to purchase, but they have very little product. So sales actually declined in 2018. Prices due to this, this shortage and, and continued demand actually uh, ticked up. So we expect 2019 to, to practically be level, maybe a slight uh, decline in sales, but we expect prices to continue on a moderate upward trend in large part because whenever we survey our members as well as consumers, um, what they're telling us is that that folks still want to, to buy a, a home. So it's obvious that demand continues to be there. Uh, the, the, the big question right now is, will we uh, collectively be able to, to uh, address the shortage by providing a stronger supply, particularly because even in residential, not unlike commercial, a lot of the new home construction has been targeted towards the upper end, so the luxury market. And so we're running out of steam there. What what we need a lot more of is, is work for ho- workforce housing for obviously a lot of the, the middle class consumers uh, for whom choices right now in the market are few and far between. Yeah, and that's obviously difficult with rising construction costs and rising land cost and, uh, you know, more regulations from the municipalities and the government, uh, it seems to be an ongoing challenge, doesn't it? Yes, indeed. Indeed. In fact, uh, when we, we try to, to identify, to your point, that we have obviously higher construction costs, there's been, in fact, a shortage of construction workers for, for a lot of builders. Uh, but the one aspect that's been very um, impactful for in terms of cost have been zoning regulations and and obviously they they vary across municipalities across the country um but from from environmental fees to um, all kinds of other fees they have indeed raised the cost of of building of developing um housing and in turn obviously makes it hard for a lot of developers to justify being able to offer something in an affordable price range so i think until we have a much closer look at how cities are approaching their their zoning, uh, this conundrum will continue. Yeah, well, let's talk about the hotel market, the hospitality market, because you know that market, that sector can change a little faster, right? Their their daily uh, rental agreements. So, what do you guys expect moving forward there? So this this particular cycle, the the hotel sector was obviously impacted early on uh, due to to the recession. A lot of companies cut back. A lot of uh, consumers obviously cut back. But during the last few years, the hotel uh, sector has done quite well. In fact, we've seen business travel uh, pick up. Moreover, just as importantly, we've seen consumer spending on leisure, uh, recreation, actually be quite strong over the last um, couple of years, which has resulted in in, um, obviously strong demand for hotels. Um, Conversely, the pipeline in terms of of, uh, supply has also picked up. Uh, and in 2018, that, that supply um, uh, rose you know, at about 1.9%, a little slower than the prior year, 2%, but it was still strong. So uh, what we've seen hotel operators obviously have to contend with revenue per available room um, moderating and looking forward to 2019, the, the big thing is we expect occupancy to actually notch up uh, a little bit, which is positive. Um, but because the, the increase is, is moderate for hotel operators, it means they'll have to, to maintain their expenses, their operating expenses, uh, you know, below a 3% in order to, to squeeze profits out of it. So uh, to your point, this is one sector which tends to see uh, impact from any change in, in economy and consumption much faster uh, than the other property types. 
So it's it's still a good environment for hotel operators, but one in which uh, capital discipline and operating margins um, are very important. Yeah, well, good point. Uh, we just put on the market nine different hotels, uh, and uh, there's a lot of demand for them, and, and some of these families have owned them a long time, and they look at the economy and say, hey, maybe this is the time to sell them. Uh, because there is a lot of demand right now and people feel feel comfortable with it. Well, George, what would you leave our audience with related to, to this report? Uh, obviously, you know, when you look at the, you, you and all the other uh, stars that were involved in putting this together, uh, uh, there's a lot of experience there. What do you, so what's, what's the, the ending theme here that you leave our audience with? I would say that in as much as we truly find ourselves in, in uncharted territory, to echo the, the theme, I think that on balance, when simply we take the fundamentals, both economic as well as, as real estate uh, fundamentals, um, most of the drivers point to continued expansion in 2019. And just as importantly, for commercial real estate, we see continued demand in terms of fundamentals. We see cash flow remain positive. Um, I think that for, for a lot of listeners and viewers, the, the one thing to keep in mind is that obviously the, the downside risks have accumulated everything from obviously the interest rate uh, risk that's still there, despite the fact that the Fed is a lot more patient and cautious, to geopolitical risk. There, there are quite a few. Uh, we still have obviously trade disputes, trade tensions uh, boiling over. We, we, we have political unrest in quite a, a good portion of the world. So any one of those could lead obviously to, to a, a slowdown in economy. Um, but from the broader perspective, we see commercial real estate markets still well positioned. And for a lot of investors, we see the returns uh, from commercial real estate uh, remain attractive into, into the, the near term. Well, great. Well, I feel good now, George. Thank you for that. And thanks for being on the show. Great information as usual. Certainly, Michael. It's always a, a joy chatting with you. Thank you. All right. And let us know what you think. We appreciate uh, you sharing the show uh, and commenting and uh, reaching out to us through any of our social media sites. You can find them all at commercialrealestateshow.com. And until next week, please join us next week. And until then, be sure you always lead, learn and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by BullRealty.com, Commercial Real Estate Asset and Occupancy Solutions, RedIQ.com, Turning Data into Valuable Action, ByProxy.com, a complimentary listing service, CommercialAgentSuccess.com, Video Training from Michael Bull, Bomi.org, Property and Facility Management Education. To access these recommended companies or for more podcasts and videos, visit CREshow.com.